My message today is entitled Faith Under Fire, Dealing with Disappointment. Some time ago, I was pondering the words of uh, Hebrews 10, 38 to 39. It says this, But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. As I pondered this verse, God brought to mind some personal disappointments I have experienced in life. Some in the past, distant past, and some quite recent. As I thought about these disappointments, I realized that in each case I had been called upon to do something. I had been called upon to make a decision. The decision was whether I was going to allow the disappointment to cause me to shrink back from my heavenly Father, or whether I would choose to respond to the disappointment by pressing into God with faith and trust. I believe this is a question we all face in life, and why is that? Because disappointment is universal in nature. Every one of us at one time or another will experience crises or trials. Jesus is recorded in John 16.33 as saying, In this world you will have trouble. In James 1-3 the writer says, When or whenever you face trials of many kinds, notice he doesn't say if you face trials of many kinds. Sometimes the outcome of these challenges results in unfulfilled expectations, shattered dreams, and devastating disappointments. Today we're going to look at a number of characters in the Bible who face disappointment. We're going to examine the sources of their disappointment and their responses to disappointment. But before we dive in, let's pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you that you are here this morning with us. Thank you that you are a God who speaks. Thank thank you that you are a God who wants to reveal yourself, your character, your ways to us. You want to have relationship with us. And God, we thank you that you're not a distant God who's way far away, who's unaware or who is unconcerned with everything in our lives. You sent your son Jesus to show us just the opposite, that you care about each one of us so deeply. Father, I pray that this morning that each one of us here would hear your words to us. Thank you that the words that you speak by your Spirit and through your Son, Jesus Christ, are life. And they change us from the inside out when we receive them and we allow them to have their full effect, their full transforming effect in our lives. And so, Father, we come to you this morning choosing to open our hearts and choosing to listen 
and to receive what it is that you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First question, where does disappointment come from? Where does disappointment come from? Answer is, ding, 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 disappointment has many different sources. Some disappointments arise from unfulfilled desires stemming from crises or trials we have brought upon ourselves. Sometimes disappointment is a result of our sin, our own disobedience and willful defiance of God. King David experienced this. He chose to give in to a temptation to lust and to commit adultery. One of the results was the conception and subsequent death of an innocent child. David deeply desired for the child to live. 2 Samuel 2 Sorry, 2 Samuel 12, 16 and 17 says, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the night lying on the ground. But he, re- um, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. David was disappointed. God did not grant David's desire and request. The disappointment in David's life was initiated by his own willful disobedience toward God and his word. You know, we're not very different from David. Sometimes we face disappointment because of our own willful rebellion against God. We may not like to think of sin in these terms, but every time we choose our way instead of God's way, we reject the authority of the monarch who rules over the kingdom of heaven. We declare our independence from him. In fact, we even shake our fist in his face. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and death brings with it disappointment. A second source of disappointment is Satan. Satan brings challenges and trials into our lives, seeking to advance his purpose and plans. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, we read that Satan asked for permission to attempt to destroy Peter to sift him like sand. Satan was the initiator, in this case, of Peter's testing and subsequent denial of Christ. Peter bore the responsibility for his denial. Satan couldn't force him to choose this, but Satan heavily influenced this situation through his spiritual activity in Peter's life. What was the result for Peter? Devastating disappointment after denying his Lord. You and I have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. His goal? To steal, kill, and destroy in my life and in your life. Sometimes disappointment arises not from our own sin, but from the scheming of the one who desires to destroy us. A third source of disappointment are trials that, that come because we live in a fallen broken world. Families of 22 victims grieve the loss of their loved ones whose lives were tragically ended prematurely two weeks ago in a Walmart in El Paso. Last year, other families right here in Canada faced the devastating trauma of saying goodbye to their loved ones due to gun violence on Danforth Avenue in Toronto. 
Sin affects every part of our existence as humans. Violence, disease, poverty, injustice, and natural disasters are all realities of the fallen world we live in. These realities affect all of us, and sometimes they lead to great disappointment in our lives. In Luke 11.5, Jesus tells a story about a man in urgent need of bread who goes to his neighbor at midnight to ask for help. The neighbor is in bed and tells the man who needs bread to get lost. The man with the need suffers disappointment. His friend is unwilling to meet his urgent need for food. It's likely that at some point in the past, you've experienced the disappointment of losing a job, not being able to find a job, dealing with a chronic illness, losing a loved one prematurely due to disease, an accident, or violence, being accused falsely, bearing the brunt of unjust treatment by an employer or even another brother or sister in the Lord, or the devastation of some type of natural calamity or disaster. These are all situations that can lead to deep disappointment and leave ugly scars within our soul. A fourth source of disappointment stems from choices made by others, especially those who are closest to us. The choices of a spouse, a child, a parent, or a close friend can create overwhelming disappointment in our lives. Paul experienced this firsthand. We learn in Colossians and in the book of Philemon that one of Paul's friends and co-workers was a disciple named Demas. However, in 2 Timothy 4.10, near the end of his life, when Paul was in prison, <coughs> excuse me, and in a great time of personal need, Paul states that Demas had what? Demas had deserted him. Paul experienced rejection by someone close to him, someone he loved and with whom he had shared life. Demas had not fulfilled his ex- the expectations Paul had for him, and it hurt. When a loved one or close friend forsakes or rejects us, or rejects the Lord, it can create devastating disappointment in our lives. Yet another source of disappointment is persecution because of one's faith. Starting in Acts 16.9, we read that while ministering in and around the city of Philippi, that Paul and Silas were arrested, flogged, and thrown into prison. Why? Because they had cast out a demon from a slave girl. The girl's owners were upset because they they used her to make money by fortune telling. Paul and Silas had done nothing wrong or worthy of this persecution. They were being singled out and treated harshly and unjustly simply because of following and doing the works of Jesus. Paul, Silas, and the believers in Philippi had reason to be greatly disappointed in God for allowing them to suffer such hardship. They had simply been obedient to share the good news and minister freedom to spiritual captives. How had they deserved prison? Sometimes we too can be persecuted for our faith. More and more, our society will tolerate all religious beliefs and practices except those which are Christian in nature. Followers of Christ are increasingly thought of as bigots and even dangerous to society for believing Jesus' own words that he is the only way to God. Or, 
for publicly agreeing that the Bible calls practices such as premarital sex, homosexual acts, and abortion sin. Christians in Canada might not currently experience physical abuse or jail time, but identifying yourself as a follower of Christ can be costly in other ways. Social ostracism, a lost promotion, or even losing a job or business, as some individuals have recently experienced right here in Canada for simply publicly living out their faith in a society with moral values that increasingly conflict with the truth of God's word. A sixth source of disappointment is the challenges that come directly by the hand of God himself. You say, Kent, what are you talking about? Well, Hannah experienced this. 1 Samuel 1.5 tells us that she was barren. She could not conceive children. The reason? The Bible tells us God had closed her womb. God had prevented her from conceiving. This had caused her great disappointment. The same passage in 1 Samuel tells us that Hannah's husband, Elkanah, had another wife, Penina, who was blessed with sons and daughters. The scripture tells us that Penina kept provoking Hannah by reminding her that she was childless. The scripture says that this continued year after year to the point of Hannah regularly ending up in tears. In verse 10, the scripture says of Hannah, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Year after year, this went on. And the disappointment deepened. Sometimes God, in his infinite wisdom, orchestrates circumstances in our lives that can appear to show disregard for us and our desires. In these seasons of life, we are very much susceptible to disappointment. Well, We've established that disappointment is common to all humankind and that it can originate from many different sources. We've talked about six of them. There's probably more. If we give disappointment free reign in our souls and spirits, disappointment can swallow us whole, like a black hole from which there seems no escape. So, how do we deal with disappointment? How can we overcome it? How can we become men and women, youth and children, who do not shrink back but press into God with trust and faith when facing disappointment? We can glean some answers to these questions by looking at the individual responses of the same biblical characters that we've already mentioned. What was King David's response when he learned that the child he had fathered by Bathsheba had died? He worshipped. He worshipped. Listen to the scripture in 2 Samuel twelve nineteen. So David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes And he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Why would David do that? Why was David's response to his disappointment to worship? I believe it was because David knew that in every circumstance of life, 
God is worthy to be praised. It was because David had already confessed his sin to God and repented. And he understood that sin always has consequences. Some that God may not undo. Even though David's disappointment was caused by his own sin in this instance, he knew that worship was the only fitting human response. In this act, David expressed the same state of heart as that of the prophet Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, we read, Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. How could Habakkuk say this? How could he choose to worship God even in the face of devastation? I believe it's because he had settled the question of God's goodness. Habakkuk had discovered and come to believe that God was, is, and always will be good. He believed God always has our best interest at heart. Several years ago, I remember being on a a personal prayer retreat. And uh, as I was spending time with the Lord there, God asked me a question. Um, I was praying as a part of this retreat about a number of things, including some some prayer requests for some for some needs for some individuals who who were very close to me. And God asked me a question. He said, "Kent, will you still worship me if I never answer your prayers or another prayer in your life?" Gang, I couldn't answer that 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 question quickly. I had to wrestle with that. In other words, God was asking me, Ken, are you just seeking me because you want, even though my desires, as far as I, I could tell, were very noble and godly? Are you just seeking God for your request? Are you seeking me because I am God? And will you worship me no matter what? It took me a while, but I finally came to a place where I said, yes, God, if you don't ever answer these prayers... I will still love you. I will still follow you. I will still worship worship you no matter what. I believe David had answered similar questions. He had chosen to praise God no matter what. In doing so, he had declared war upon the domination of disappointment. We can fight disappointment too, even when we bring it on ourselves through our own sin, by confessing, repenting, And worshiping God, remembering that He is always good. We can also overcome disappointment initiated by the schemes of Satan. We do so by by remembering that Jesus is praying for us. In Luke 22, 31-32, we read Jesus' words to Peter. He called him by his other name. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Did you know something? Did you know that right now, beside God's throne in heaven, Jesus is praying for you and for you 
and for you and for me. Hebrews 7.25 says of Jesus, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is praying for us. And I believe it was Jesus' prayer for for Peter that brought him through the denial and the emotional and spiritual funk which followed. It was Jesus' prayer that enabled Peter not to be swallowed up by the destructive schemes and power of the devil. Jesus' prayers are also powerful in your life and in my life. You should remember and I should remember that He is always praying for us. We can also overcome disappointment that comes because we live in a fallen world. We do so by choosing to lift up our need and persist in asking God to meet it unless God specifically responds to us with a no. We mentioned earlier a man in urgent need of bread whom Jesus was uh, said was rebuffed by a neighbor at midnight. But we also read in Luke 11 that the man in need continued to persist in knocking and asking for help. Using the illustration from the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, 1-8, that I used on my candidating Sunday, about the man who refused to throw in the towel, Jesus, just like that, Jesus says that because of the boldness and persistence of the requester, the man asking for bread, the neighbor eventually got up and delivered his request. The neighbor delivered the requested bread. A while back, I was uh, pondering some deep personal disappointments in my life, and the thought came, came to me, Kent, why keep praying? Nothing will ever change. And to be honest, gang, a wave of despair rolled over me. But at the same time, I was sensing that devastating disappointment. I sensed God talking to me. It was a quiet whisper. He said, Kent, are you going to shrink back and quit asking? Or... Are you going to press into me by faith? What if the man who needed bread had stopped knocking and asking after the initial, go away, you're bothering me. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He encourages us not to throw in the towel. Well, what about the disappointments caused by the choices of others? We can overcome those too. We do this by remembering that while God has given others free will and they may reject us in God, God will never forsake us. Shortly after Paul mentions the rejection and departure of his friend and co-worker Demas that we mentioned earlier, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4.17, At my first events, no one came to my support, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. I believe Paul likely remembered Jesus' words, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Paul remembered that though others might reject him, Jesus' presence would never leave him. And Paul allowed the Lord to strengthen his heart in times of relational disappointment. You may be facing relational disappointment today over the past or 
present choices of someone close to you. Perhaps a close friend betrayed your trust. Perhaps a family member has rejected you or abused you. Perhaps you're dealing with disappointment over a loved one who has never received Christ or who has turned their back on the Lord. These choices have left huge unfulfilled expectations and with them, disappointment. Jesus wants you to know that he is here today to comfort you and to strengthen you just like he did Paul. God will not reject or forsake you. And if you let him, he will take and carry the weight of that disappointment and fill your life with grace to move forward with confidence. Well, how do we overcome the disappointment caused by persecution? We do that by remembering that every situation in our life presents an opportunity for witness and opportunity for the spread of God's kingdom. We mentioned earlier the disappointment that Paul and Silas experienced when they were unjustly arrested and flogged and imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. Well, what was their response to their disappointment? They had church. (laughs) They started praising and singing hymns of praise to God right in the jail. And what happened? They gained an instant audience. The other prisoners started listening and watching. Next, God showed up through an earthquake that broke open the prison door, but none of the prisoners left. Why do you think the prisoners didn't leave? I mean, you and I would have been out of there like, like, like you know, a shell out of a shotgun. But the prisoners didn't leave. They had seen something in Paul and Silas. They had encountered God through them in a way that they said, I, I want to know more. I want to see what's, I want to see what's going to happen. Well, next thing, Paul and Silas are sharing the good news of Jesus with a jailer who thought when he saw the doors open and assumed that all the prisoners were were gone, that he was a doomed man. Paul and Silas turned their disappointment over unjust persecution into an opportunity to witness for Christ, to be a city on a hill. You and I can do the same. Just like the jailer and the other prisoners observe Paul and Silas, other, others watch how you and I choose to react to disappointment. God can open doors to share the gospel through every circumstance in life, including persecution. We can choose to turn disappointment into an opportunity for the spread of God's kingdom. Well, we're working our way to the end. Stay with me, gang, because this, this last one is an important one. Likely, one of the toughest sources of disappointment is when God himself orchestrates circumstances in our lives that lead to disappointment. Hannah experienced this. First Samuel tells us that God was the author of her, ability, her inability to conceive. Why would God do this? Why would he orchestrate circumstances in our lives that can lead to disappointment? Sometimes God reveals his purposes. Sometimes he doesn't. In this case, in Hannah's case, he did not tell Hannah why she was prevented from conceiving. Well, what was Hannah's response? 
First Samuel 1.11, in, in 1 Samuel 1.11-12, we read that she poured out her disappointment in prayer to God and asked him for a child. Hannah was so desperate that she promised God that if he gave her a child, she would wholly dedicate the child to God, allowing him to live at the tabernacle and to be trained as a minister. What was the outcome of Hannah's prayer? God granted her request, and she became pregnant. God ended her human disappointment. Her son, he was Samuel, who became one of the most important prophets and leaders in the history of God's people. Well, what can we learn from Hannah's response to disappointment? She was real about her emotions and burden. She didn't pretend the disappointment didn't matter. She didn't stuff her feelings. She didn't worry about what others thought of her. She cried out to God. God invites us to choose the same response, to pour out our heart to him, to be real about the disappointments in our lives, and to ask for his deliverance. Sometimes God changes our circumstances like he did with Hannah. Other times, in his infinite wisdom, he does not. As was the case with Paul when in prison in Rome, Paul's disappointment ended in his martyrdom. But either way, God promises to provide the help we need to face our disappointments, no matter how devastating, through his grace and presence. In Psalm 40, the psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. The question is not whether you have faced disappointment. The question is how have you responded to disappointment? And how will you respond to disappointment? Have you shrunk back and allowed disappointment to put distance between you and God? Have you allowed disappointment to sour your heart toward Him? Have you lowered your expectations of God? Has your view of God as your heavenly Father become tarnished or even marred? Or have you chosen to respond to your disappointment by pressing into God with faith and trust. I believe that many of us here, if we were honest, would have to say at least to one degree or another, uh, I've shrunk back. God is inviting you today to turn and bring your disappointment to Him, to allow Him to carry it for you, to allow Him to heal and restore you. Will the choice made by the writer of Hebrews be your choice? But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe 
and are saved. As we prepare to wrap up, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I earnestly believe that the Spirit of God has spoken to each and every person in this room today about at least one disappointment in your life. Are you willing to bring that disappointment to God this morning? To name it and to release it to your Heavenly Father? And to make whatever response He is asking of you. Some of you need to choose to be real and admit your disappointment to God and to yourself. To bring it out into the open. God can handle your anger And God can heal your hurt. He's inviting you to release your disappointment to Him. Others here need to confess and repent of sin and begin to worship God in the midst of your disappointment. God forgave and restored King David after his sin. And He can and will forgive and restore you if you choose to come clean. Others here need to remember that you are not alone. That Jesus is praying for you. That God loves you and has not and will not forsake you no matter the depth of disappointment you have faced or that you are facing. God is asking others of you to be witnesses for Him in the midst of your disappointment. Whatever He's asking of you, Will you choose to respond to him in trust and in faith? If so, while our heads continue bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to invite you to do something else. If you're willing to bring your disappointment to God this morning and to give your disappointment to him, I'm going to invite you to symbolize that choice by extending your hands in front of you with your palms upturned. Now, please don't do this unless you sense the Spirit of God is prompting you to do so. But if He is, I urge you to respond and to receive His grace. So right now, with upturned palms in front of you, quietly tell God the disappointment you are releasing to Him. Say, Heavenly Father, I release to you the disappointment of blank. And then you fill in the blank. Heavenly Father, I release to you the disappointment of blank. Let's do that right now. Now just keep your palms raised for a few moments and in the silence, allow the Lord to minister His love, His forgiveness, His healing, and His grace to you. Then after a few moments, I want to pray for you.
Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here in these precious holy moments. And that for each burden that is being presented to you, that you are lifting that off of us today. You tell us that you care for us and you invite us to bring every burden, including every disappointment to you. Thank you that as we do that, that we experience your grace. We experience your love. We begin to experience your healing and your restoration. Thank you that you care about us so, so, so deeply. Your love is so much deeper and wider and longer and taller than we could ever understand. And yet, you come in moments like this to make it so real to us, to remind us that you are with us, that you have not and you will not forsake us. Thank you, God, today that you are lifting many here out of the slimy pit of disappointment. And Lord, you are replacing it with quiet trust, confidence, and faith in you and in your goodness. Thank you for your indescribable gift. Father, continue to set us free as your people from the domination of disappointment and help us to walk with hope, with courage, with trust in a heavenly Father who loves us more than we could ever think or imagine. Father, I thank you that this morning that lives are being changed in this place. And we thank you that you're going to continue that work within us. We give thanks in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.